the shadows of storm and night, the mysteries of life and light, from unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm your host, Beck. And this is Steph. Hi, Steph. Hello, Becky. Did you watch the new Netflix show, Surviving Death? No, I was told about it by our mutual friend, yeah, Barbie. Yeah. She'll hear this podcast and go, hey, they mentioned my name. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't listen at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> she said she does, so I'll trust that. Yeah, that was good. I watched three episodes. I think I have a few more to go. Is it good? It is. Well, it's fascinating. And I know a few of the people in there. I've gone into teachings of theirs where they do seminars. Okay. Is it about like near-death experiences? Is that what it is? Well, there's a little bit of that in there, but there's mediumship, physical mediumship, trance mediumship, just a lot of interesting things. A guy that kind of tries to validate these psychics and these mediums. That's kind of cool. It's nice to have someone that can... Go in and, go. and test them, sort of. Yeah. And But not in a way where it's like James Randi type of deal. He's, yeah, he's a douche. He is a douche. I just read it. <laughs> it's weird that you mentioned him. I just read an article about him the other day. And this person that wrote the article was a magician himself. Mm-hmm. He was also a religious person. He was He's Catholic. And he said when he did the interview, this guy was so angry about everything. Oh, James Randi? Yeah, he was very suspicious about anyone that believed in anything supernatural. And that's why he'd always used to set people up that would claim they have a gift, which I think there are phony people out there. But they said that he was rude and angry. He He said he was very put off by him. He was beyond skeptical to the point of fault. Yeah, he said he had a lot of pride, which is, I think, the worst capital sin, right? Or cardinal I can forget the technical terms for him, but that's worse than stealing candy from a store or something, you know? (laughs) But it's one of those... habits that people have they're very self-righteous and it blocks them from having i think spiritual experiences you know you carry that with you when you die this ties into the guest that i was so excited to interview that you missed again (laughs) i don't miss them i'm working i know (laughs) (laughs) but she is amazing she reminds me actually i'll tie that into watching surviving death there's a medium on there named colin bates that i absolutely adore he's so authentic just such a beautiful soul speaks beautifully and our guest is very much like that very authentic i can feel that you know how you can feel that there are people we meet yes and there are people we may or may not have interviewed that are a little self-centered yeah this guest was nothing like that she was very authentic and very intelligent well-rounded person this is a really good one friends i hope you enjoy the interview Today, my guest is the author of a groundbreaking textbook entitled The Complete Guide to Crystal Surgery. She has rare expertise in each of our three layers of existence, the physical, the mental, and the spiritual, and she specializes in translating intuitive, energetic, and spiritual dynamics into practical information for celebrating life. In Everyday Magic, she relates how the spirit world guided her from childhood in apartheid South Africa through coming to the USA and founding Four Winds Academy, a school for training healers. She also wrote The Energy of Money, a healer's guide in massage and bodywork, as a spinoff from her book on how to lose weight and gain money. Internationally renowned as a teacher of the Alexander Technique, 
and co-author of Guided Lessons for Students of the Alexander Technique. After 25 years of intense research, she is poised to burst forth as a world leader in crystal healing. Please welcome Vivian Shapra. Hi, Vivian. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you. It's such a great opportunity to talk to you. Um, Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. I'd like to start at the beginning and, and take my listeners through your journey. Can you take us through how you came into your abilities? Ooh, wow. I, um, yeah, I, I was a very shy kid in, in South Africa. I, I grew up in a strange family. I think we'll just use that word. Exciting, but strange. And I was very shy, very introverted, and I developed extremely bad posture. And it was so bad. It was so bad that strangers in the street, this is in South Africa, would say to me, stand up straight, girly. I mean, just people walking past me would try and encourage me to do better with my posture. And I kind of thought there must be something somewhere in the world that can help me with this. This was when I was a teenager. I was sitting in school and I was looking around and I saw, yeah, I had very bad posture, but it wasn't only me who was struggling in this way. And I reasoned there must be something somewhere. And, you know, Bex, the right across the road from my high school that I went to, that's where the one and only teacher in the Alexander Technique was in South Africa, right across the road from where I was sitting in the classroom wondering what and where in the world was this thing that could help me. I only found out about five or six years later in a casual conversation at the swimming pool to uh, someone that I was only just meeting who had come from England and she'd been at RADA, the Royal Academy for Dramatic Art, and they teach the Alexander Technique there. It's used a lot in performance as well as in athletics and pain relief and stress relief. It's a way of training people in neuromuscular dynamics and retraining the way that we use our bodies and our minds. There's no split in body and mind in the Alexander Technique. And I found out about it about six years after I had wondered about the something somewhere in the world. And I just knew that's it. That's the thing I've been looking for. And that began my journey with the Alexander Technique. At that time, I was studying clinical psychology specifically, and I switched over and ended up training as an Alexander teacher. And from there, I progressed into seeing that we're not only a mind and body that is a unified whole, but we're also a mind, body, and energy system that is a unified whole. And that came to my attention one day. I had a very heavy schedule. I was I was very successful. I was actually giving 73 appointments per week. This is back in wow. South Africa at the age of about 30. I finished, I certified at the age of 28 in the Alexander Technique in London. We, we had to go to England to finish our training. Of course, you know, the Alexander Technique is a, a small profession. It doesn't have numerous people. But it's very strong. It's over 100 years old, and it's included in many conservatories and performance schools as part of the curriculum. So I was very busy, and I had this wonderful, beautiful young woman who was a cellist, played the cello like an angel, and she was one of those people who wears white floaty dresses and speaks softly, almost a whisper, but is actually a very powerful person. And she she was like an angel. And straight after her, I had this client who was Greek, 
His name was Dimitri, as a, a nice Greek name. He was her suit. He was tall, he was strong, and he was a karate instructor. He had his own karate school. And as the one client left and the Greek man came in for his appointment, the energy change was so strong that it literally spun me around and I became dizzy and I had to sit down. And that made such an impression on me that I decided I needed to tap into that experience and find out what the heck was going on there. And that switched me on to becoming more and more and more sensitive to the energy field and to people's energetic dynamics as well. And so from there, and you know, this is quite some time ago, um, more than half my life ago, I will admit, I started to study all three, the physical, the mental, which I was already qualified in, one with the Alexander Technique, also with clinical psychology, and I started to train myself in energy healing dynamics as well. What differentiates the Alexander Technique between that and Reiki? Oh, there's nothing similar about Reiki and the Alexander Technique. So in the Alexander Technique, you put your hands directly on the person. Let me start with the training. In the Alexander Technique, it's three years full-time training to become an Alexander teacher. And it's a process pretty much like psychoanalysis is where you have to go through the process yourself of learning how to release over-contracted muscle, how to bring your uh, neurological system under your conscious control so that you can use your brain to direct what you want in the physical. And you learn that what you think is what you'll get. And you learn how to direct for that and how to get that. And the process is by inhibiting, which means stopping. It's the neurologically correct term of inhibition where you inhibit the wrong pattern from happening. So you stop that wrong pattern. And if you stop the wrong pattern, the right thing can do itself. That is how the Alexander Technique works. Whereas in Reiki, and I am not a practitioner of Reiki, but there are actual symbols that get put into your hands and you channel the energy through these symbols. And forgive me if I'm not being precise and correct, because as I say, I am not a Reiki practitioner. And so Reiki is more in the energetic dynamic. What kind of ailments can you see a change with through the Alexander Technique? Well, you can go all the range from dysfunctional to superfunctional with the Alexander Technique because the Alexander Technique is like a user's manual for yourself, for your being. In Alexander's day, he called it the psychophysical whole, and I've now added in the energetic dynamics. And so for me, the psychophysical isn't sufficient anymore. I, I want to do the full range. So we tend to call it mind, body, and spirit. But if we use the word spirit, it can misdirect our thinking. We need to think physical system, mental system, and energetic system. So that physical being and our physiology, and then our psychology and our our mental way of being. And then we have a whole energetic realm as well. So in the Alexander Technique, with working with the psychophysical whole, I was working with people who, some of them were athletes and they wanted to improve performance. Some were musicians or in acting, in the performing arts. And I worked a lot, for example, with opera singers. But then also, very typically, it's people in pain. Back pain, headaches, 
I have quite a specialty in helping people with headaches because I have my own personal headache and migraine story where I had to overcome my own issues there. I had headaches from the time I was about eight years old, caused by a fall when I was four. And I tell this whole story in my book, Everyday Magic. It's my memoir. And in that book, I tell the whole story of how I came from having this terrible posture and all these struggles that I had when I was growing up all the way to founding Four Winds Academy in Cincinnati, Ohio, USA. And Four Winds Academy teaches energy healing topics, shamanism, intuition, crystal healing, and energy healing. So I relate that whole story in Everyday Magic. But to go back to what ailments I was working with, a lot to do with back pain. And also what always comes to me is the people who've tried everything and haven't had success. They've been to the doctor, they've been to the chiropractor, they've been to the osteopath, they've been to uh, all kind manner of specialists, they've had physical therapy, and they're still struggling with one thing or another. And it can be the full range because the Alexander Technique addresses our human functioning. As I said, it can take us from dysfunctional all the way to super functional. And that is a great joy for me because I've always wanted to be a teacher. And my personal mission is to help people develop their potential. So the Alexander Technique was a way better tool for me personally than becoming a clinical psychologist would have been. Because as a clinical psychologist, I would have been dealing with a slice in a much more limited way. And with the Alexander Technique, I was able to help all manner of people in all manner of ways. It's very versatile in that way. It caters to the individual. It's done one-on-one in a one-on-one session. But here's the beauty of it. When I was a teenager, I went to yoga classes and I would spend the entire time wondering if I was doing it correctly and if I was getting it. You know, there's this nice phrase we have nowadays. Was I getting it? Alexander Technique, the teacher actually puts her hands on you and transmits a message from her nervous system to your nervous system, explaining to your nervous system in great detail what needs to stop and what needs to happen instead. So you're literally transmitting these messages from nervous system to nervous system using your hands as plug-in points. Now, that might not sound so exciting, but I need to tell you, It is the most wonderful experience. It's absolutely amazing. Almost everybody says, oh, wow, this is better than a massage. Or, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. You're barely touching me and so much seems to be happening. And it's very, very relaxing because most people are too tense and their muscles are overcontracted and we lose the facility to get back to a more neutral state. And the Alexander Technique takes us from feeling agitated, tense, spacey, unable to focus, to calm, gives us back that neutral place. We've given time and space to decide. And the beauty of it is that you learn to actually use your brain. You are learning how to be conscious of being a conscious being and how to use your consciousness to direct your being to get what you want. And this can go from getting muscles to relax all the way to manifestation work. And it has done that for me. And I'm able to teach people how to do that. And uh, it's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing.
I myself struggle with migraines and headaches daily. My mother has severe back pain and exactly what you're speaking about. She's been through surgeries and all sorts of therapies. And she herself is a Reiki practitioner, but she still can't find that relief with the pain that many of us are suffering with. I think a lot of us have inflammation issues and again, that could probably be pointed towards diet and a myriad of things. But if you know this technique, can you use it to self-heal? Yes, and that's our book, Guided Lessons for uh, Students of the Alexander Technique. Really, the Alexander Technique is a self-help technique. And it's why we call ourselves Alexander Teachers, because we don't do therapy. We don't do treatments. We teach people how to do this for themselves. So well said and well asked, because that's exactly the point of the Alexander Technique, is to learn to help yourself. When you were saying you have to have hands-on, and I was thinking, if you were doing this as a practice, can this be done remotely, especially during these times of COVID? It is hard to start somebody off remotely. I, I will admit that. But, you know, I was forced. I was forced now with the pandemic. Uh, it's a big debate in the Alexander community whether we can do this remotely or not. And what I would say about that is that remotely we can guide people to discover the Alexander Technique on their own, but and they get the guidance of the teachers. So if you don't get the teacher's hands directly on you, then you're not getting that nervous system to nervous system input. But see, that's one of the reasons that I added the energy work into my work is because I didn't want that limitation. And you know, I actually have managed to start transmitting information remotely using my iPhone as my trusty tool. I actually, I have one client, he's an anesthesiologist, and when we had to close our doors because of the pandemic, he said, will you still work with me? And as I, I said, of course, of course, because he was going to be on the front line. He knew how to put people on ventilators and so on. And I said, yes, of course, I'll work with you. And, I, and he also asked if I would work with his wife. So he and his wife continued with me. And actually, we've had a wonderful time doing the Alexander Technique remotely. He's a wonderful student, but he, of course, he knows the anatomy and we can discuss the physiology and he's very keen to learn. And there have been a few people who have asked me for help that I hadn't been able to work with before the pandemic closed our doors. And I did have some success with them. I'm very experienced in this work. I'm, I'm one of the more senior teachers around in the world and I've been doing this for about 38 years now. So I know how to get around a few obstacles and I know how to help people. And then I, I have this other capacity. I'm almost shy to admit this, but I can, I can sense a lot, you see, from the energetic work. And so it can be a little bit creepy, actually, because it's almost as if I'm in the room with people. They start wondering if I've got a hidden camera. But <laughs> use my nervous system has become more of an antenna and I can pick up information quite accurately. Now, I'm not saying I never miss anything because how would I know? I, I don't know what I'm missing. And I like to be more cautious about limitations. But I, I, I do seem to have a capacity to pick up on information and use my brain as an antenna. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the Alexander Technique and the clarity that I got in my nervous system because of the Alexander Technique is what set me up for this. I'm pretty sure of that. And so, yes, I am able to help people remotely, although I'm shy to admit it. 
No, that's really wonderful. I mean, it sounds like there's intuition being used, obviously, in conjunction with the psychology. And that's very well-rounded. I'm wondering if the layperson, let's say they don't know the anatomy the way a doctor would, and they don't have the psychology behind them, or they're very limited with their intuitive abilities, if it would be harder for them to pick up this practice. Actually, if they're motivated and they want to listen, the real problem is people's listening skills. People are not good at listening. And most people, if you say a sentence, some people will hear the beginning of the sentence and then not hear what comes next. Other people don't hear the beginning. They take a bite out of the middle of the sentence and then they don't hear the end. And then other people suddenly realize something's being said to them and they hear the last part of the sentence. So that can be a little bit difficult with the remote work because if I have my hands on them, I don't need them to hear what I'm saying. I will communicate directly with a different part of their being. But with the remote work, I need them to listen. As I say, I'm very experienced and, I, and I've trained many Alexander teachers since, uh, since 1983, actually. And so I know how to guide people through what they don't know. But let me just say that most of my remote work, I do energy work and crystal healing and specifically crystal surgery because that is easier for me to do via remote work and it's an easier way for me to connect with people that are unfamiliar. So I would say that my people who come to me primarily for Alexander Technique, they're kind of wondering, well, how are you doing that over the phone? And I say, well, just try it and see. But they're so accustomed to the wonderful experience of me putting my hands on them that quite a few of them have opted to wait until I open my door again before they come back. Whereas others, and this would be people all over the world, I have students in Manhattan and other parts of New York. I actually had people from New Zealand, I have people from Canada, I'm working with people in South Africa, because I can do the energy work very, very efficiently via the phone, and I just use audio. If I can see the person, it's distracting. I have to tell you, it's been like drinking from a fire hose. The pandemic has taught me how to see energy so much more clearly, and I'm beginning to learn about the structure of the etheric tissue. You know, we talk about the aura and the energy field. Well, there is just as much detail there in its structure and in the tissues of the energy field as there is in the physical body. And all of that has been appearing to me on what I call the mind screen. So I've had this fascinating time. It's absolutely fascinating. And now, of course, I have to document this. So maybe there'll be another publication one of these days. But in the meantime, I am learning so much. And the success rate is massive, absolutely massive. It's a uh, it's like a miracle. And again, I'm a little bit shy to say it because it sounds uh, hyperbolic and I don't like to exaggerate, but I do get amazing results, very amazing results. And uh, it's a blessing. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for the talents I've been given. And I'm grateful that I can help other people. Very grateful. And I think we're in a time now that we need it more than ever. We need healers. We need practitioners. We need people to understand that there is a way for self-help and to help others. So I think this is the time that it really needs to be brought to people's psyches and, and out into the public. <laughs> so you I commend are, you. You are 100% correct. You're 100% correct. And you see, the two things that you said there that are important, I'm going to pick up on the one, and that is that the general practitioner of yesterday 
is going to become the energy healer of tomorrow. That's where energy healers are going to fit in. Because, I mean, I'll give you an example. I have a, a client at the moment, and she has the most unfortunate set of circumstances going on. Her mother contacted me because she was getting desperate. Her mother knows my work. And actually, her mother contacted me a while back and she said, Viv, I've sprained my ankle. Can you? Will you help me? Will you get me in? Will you help my ankle? And I had the presence of mind to photograph her sprained ankle. And so now I have documentation of what I managed to accomplish with the sprained ankle with one hour of crystal surgery and then four days later, the second hour of crystal surgery. And I actually got to include that in my book, The Complete Guide to Crystal Surgery, because I had the presence of mind to document it. And so she and she'd been she's worked with me for many years and was on the board of Forwins Academy. And she she called me one day and she said, Viv, will you will you help me? My my daughter needs help. And this person has uh, AFib and um, she'd had a cardiac ablation and it didn't seem to be helping. And then it turned out like a whole string of different things, a malignant melanoma. And now with all the scans, they're discovering various things. And, and uh, she, she's only going to specialists. She doesn't have someone supporting her. And so I'm now like the general practitioner and I'm the one sort of supporting her through the emotions and the thinking and the anchoring and holding the energy steady as she absolutely has to do a complete do-over on her health. And I can see that this is the role that energy healers need to be willing to take up, but they need to be properly trained. They need to know more than they do. You can't learn enough in a weekend here and a weekend there. You know, when you get professional training, you are forced to do all the subjects that pertain to the profession. Now, that's the problem for energy healers. There's nowhere they can go where they have to follow the discipline of doing all the different subjects that are required. And that's why I founded Four Winds Academy for the Healing Arts and Sciences, because I want to see energy healers be fully equipped. There are wonderfully talented people out there, wonderfully talented. They're gifted, they're intuitive, they can see stuff, but they're gaps, they're holes. If they don't know the physiology or they don't know enough on how to look it up and make sense of what they're reading when they do their research, then they are not equipped yet to be an energy healer that addresses physiological issues. And once people are ill and things have become physically and physiologically manifest, you need to know what you're doing. And that, you know, like you talked about your mom and the Reiki and so on. Well, there's a lot of detail in back pain and you need to know, is this nerve pain? Is this tissue pain? Is this old scar tissue that uh, has got no stretch and keeps on being torn, causing more pain? You have to understand what's going on because even if you want to do energy work, you want to address it with precision. That's where crystal surgery comes in. It is the most precise energy work available. You're using the crystals like tools the way that a surgeon uses tools to operate. And I can do that on the energy field and the tissues of the energy field and also the tissues of the energy body in the same way as a surgeon can work on the physical body. And I can train people to do it. Every single procedure and technique 
that I've included in my book, The Complete Guide to Crystal Surgery, I have made sure that as long as people follow the steps correctly, they will get the same results as I do. And I have trained a lot of people and I've tested it out a lot. 25 years I've been researching it. So I can say that, yes, as long as you do it the right way, you'll get the result you want. Fabulous. You touched upon so many things. I mean, I think many of our Western doctors are so very indoctrinated and they don't have a bedside manner. And that's very important to be able to connect and comfort the patient or the person that's suffering. I want to transition into the crystal surgery because I find it, it's just amazing to me. And I know many of my listeners, they aren't going to know what crystal surgery is. And so if you could explain a little bit of what crystal surgery is and how it's accomplished, and then twofold, are there certain crystals that you find most healing or do you use different crystals for different ailments? Well, in crystal surgery, we use a lot of different crystals because you're using the chemistry of the stones as well as their frequency in order to get the adjustment. It's very technical because you're working with the chemistry of physics and the physics of chemistry, which uh, fortunately I had a client who's a chemical engineer. And when I spoke to him about that, because this is what the crystals told me, they said, as their ions and their chemistry come into contact with the energy field, they're changing the wavelength. And that's the, the physics, because physics is the waveform. And then as the waveform changes, that changes the chemistry. And so the crystals are amazing, because if you were to imagine a special cooking knife that dispenses exactly the right spices and flavorings at exactly the right moment, into the vegetables and the meat or the chicken, whatever it is that you're chopping up. That's how you're working with crystals in the energy field. You're actually distributing the exact right amount to get the effect that you want, as long as you know which crystal to use. Well, that's all documented in the Complete Guide to Crystal Surgery now. I think that listeners would be much more comfortable if I just began talking about crystal healing. And yes, crystals are healing. I personally feel that what I like precision and I like technical work and that comes from my training in the Alexander technique. You can get very general wonderful effects with crystals like you carry a crystal in your pocket or you wear crystals. These are all forms of crystal healing. You can place a crystal in your home because crystals have these various kinds of properties. They have a radiant energy, the light that comes out of them is a radiant energy that can affect you. And then uh, they have electrical properties. They respond to pressure and to heat, and that will get the electricity going in the crystals. And when you know how to manipulate crystals correctly, you can affect the bioelectricity of the body, which is our entire nervous system. And you can affect the biochemistry of the body, which is all our functioning. And if you can put that together in a knowledgeable way, then you can be very, very technical and constructive. And you don't have to begin there. The best way to begin 
is the easy way. Just put what you're saying and your own philosophy, be organic about it. So the place to begin with crystals is just with your attraction to them. And most people begin with quartz, and that is really, really, really good. Also, like I'll tell you, which is a really good versatile crystal at the moment, and I thought it was a lot of hype, but actually, if you have quartz and you have shungite, and shungite is spelled S-H-U-N-G-I-T-E, shungite, it comes from, I think, Siberian area, uh, somewhere in Russia. It is an extraordinary mineral because it is carbon, and that is the one of the building blocks of life, the primary building block of our organic world. And it's carbon in a very specific structure called fullerenes. And shungite is extraordinary. Anyway, the technicalities of that are not the place to begin. The place to begin is with what you like, what appeals to you, what attracts you. Everybody has the experience of seeing a lovely pebble as they're walking along on a hike or a mountain walk or in the woods, and they see a pebble and they go, ooh, that's my lucky stone. And they bend down, they pick it up. That is the right place to begin with the mineral kingdom. We have a strong relationship with the mineral kingdom, even though we don't realize it. How gold and diamonds and rubies and emeralds became to have the greatest value out of anything on the planet is just really, really like, how did that happen? It's because we know, we know that that is what is valuable to us, even if we don't understand. We make our vows of marriage with gold and diamonds. We uh, talk about this is worth rubies. We're always referring to the mineral kingdom. It is built into us to appreciate the mineral kingdom in the same way as it is built into us to appreciate the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. It's part of our planet. It's part of who we are. And it's a natural, natural process to become familiar with crystals and to then to be able to access healing from crystals. And it can go the full range. So crystal surgery is very technical, very precise. But that's the, an end point. That's where we build towards. Where we begin is with the sheer enjoyment and benefit of being able to look at this beauty and to appreciate the sparkle and the rainbows. And these are all very significant dynamics. Color is very significant. We like to feel a smooth stone. We love to see caves of crystals. We enjoy these things. Now, does every single person? No. Same as every single person doesn't want to do gardening. But anyone who wants to learn how to garden and wants to work with plants can learn how. Same with crystals. Anyone who wants to work with crystals can learn how. I love crystals. I, <laughs> I'm i drawn to them, and I think many of us are, and I find it absolutely fascinating. I think I had heard that you were into the martial arts at one point and yes. that you met Dr. Brian Weiss, yes, who wrote Many Lives, Many Masters. And I'm wondering, what was your experience like with him? And let me just say, I took up martial arts because martial artists came to me for Alexander lessons when they realized it would help them be more proficient. And upon viewing them, I saw that they were better able to move energy than energy healers were. And so I thought I better learn that if I want to be an energy healer, because they know better how to direct energy than energy healers. And so that's why I took up martial arts and I did get all the benefits plus more from doing that. And I became a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo, actually. Um, I went quite far, but then I had to make a choice because that's also a lifetime study and 
I already had the Alexander Technique, which is a lifetime study and the energy healing. And I decided that I'd learned what I needed to with martial arts. I wasn't going to go further with that. And so I had to release that. And then with Brian Weiss, I got the Omega Institute catalog one day and I flipped it open and I saw that he was going to teach people past life regression. It was a week-long course at Omega Institute and I just got on the phone immediately. I just went, this class is going to fill up. So I just sat there on the phone until I connected through and got my booking in the class, which I did. Absolutely wonderful experience. Very, very genuine man. He presented together with his wife, Carol, also a lovely woman, and his assistant, whose name I sadly do not remember. I can picture her face in front of me. And the three of them gave the most wonderful week-long training at Omega Institute. He was such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. Natural. You know, so often once people become famous, they become arrogant and snooty and snobby and all this kind of thing. Not Brian Weiss. He was a genuine, kind, compassionate man. And actually, it was very interesting because I noticed that when people are hypnotized, their heads fall forward and stay forward, drop down. And actually, there's a postural reflex where the head, it's called the writing reflex of the head. And if your head drops forward, and we all have this experience, we fall asleep sitting up and our head drops forward and our head jerks back and we kind of wake up in that moment, but our head writes itself, it jerks back into position. And that is the writing reflex of the head. And I noticed that under hypnosis, the writing reflex doesn't work. So I asked him, I said, what happened to the writing reflex of the head and, and, and under hypnosis? And he looked at me and this was in the 1990s. And he looked at me and he said, that is a good point. I don't know. I've never thought about that, but you're 100% right. What has happened to it? So I still don't know the answer. But I got a different answer. I got the answer that even when you're the teacher, if you don't know, just say you don't know. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most respectable and respectful thing you can do. You not nobody expects you to know everything. And you know, Becca, I just this week, just this week, I was speaking to one of my the graduates from my Alexander training course who has become interested in the Enneagram and then something else called focusing and then something else called the felt sense, all very interesting dynamics. And I'm helping her with getting this all to integrate into her own amazing body of knowledge that she's putting together. And I just said to her then, I said, I learned from Brian Weiss. If you don't know, just say you don't know. Nobody is expected to know everything. And that is such a liberation for anyone, especially someone shy such as myself, where you, you get up in front of people and you want to talk and you're aware that you don't know everything. And if somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, don't make up nonsense. Just say, I don't know, but it's a good question. So that was one aspect of him that thoroughly impressed me. And I still remember, I remember him walking along the pathway and then he waited. He stopped. He paused. He waited for me to catch up with him because I was staying a respectful distance behind because you know what happens. People run up to the teacher and they sort of drag on the teacher and they pull on the teacher and they me, me, me to the teacher. And it was a very big class. It was a very, very big class. And they were all psychiatrists and psychologists, except for me and maybe two or three other people. 
course, I was trained in psychology, but these were practicing psychologists and psychiatrists. And well, you know what? They couldn't get hypnotized. They couldn't go under. So this kind of funny thing happened where they all started lining up outside my door at, at my bungalow. Vivian, will you help us? And I needed to use the Alexander technique to help them transition into a different part of their nervous system because having been trained in the Western ways of thinking, it had shut down their intuitive capacities and their ability to just allow their minds to free up and go into a different brainwave state, which is what you need for past life regression. And so that was very interesting. And and, and they came to me for, for help to get them to be able to transition into this other world where these memories from past lives could come forward. And uh, it takes a certain amount of physical relaxation, but it also it requires the brain to relax and to allow a very different brainwave state from what you use when you're doing Western-style thinking. That was an interesting experience. It was one of the best weeks of my life. Thank you for helping me remember it as I'm so <laughs> talking, but I'm just remembering the good feeling of it. Thank you. I often question the logical left brain thinker if they had a harder time going into hypnotherapy and if it could be even accomplished. So you actually covered that really well. <laughs> it also transitions me into my own experience in a past life, bringing it forward into this life. And it relates to your book, How to Lose Weight and Gain Money. And I always found a struggle within this lifetime of being a heavier set person and being in a poverty stricken situation growing up, as well as in my past life, being in poverty and always feeling that need to fill some void or being worried about what would come next. The How to Lose Weight and Gain Money is actually a workbook. And the best thing you can do is get yourself a copy of it and work through it. But the place to begin is to actually write your money story and write your weight story. That's one of the first exercises in the book. And if you write it, you will see what's going on for you with regard to that. And you start to get a clue about how you've scripted yourself and how your life and circumstances have scripted you. And actually, your genetics also, we inherit a lot to do with both weight and money. We're familiar with it on the weight side. We know that our constitution is genetic. We know that our, our body type is genetic. We know that the tendency to gain weight or, or never gain weight, to thrive or to always be weak in our physical being, we know that this is an inherited tendency. Well, you know what? It's our relationship with money and our, our way we deal with money. This is also inherited and not only epigenetically, because at the time we wrote How to Lose Weight and Gain Money, me and my friend Drew, we didn't know about epigenetics yet. I mean, we knew about it because I knew about energy and the energy field and imprinting on the energy field, but it wasn't out yet, the whole thing about epigenetics. We actually inherit money tendencies and ways of thinking about money and ways of being with money as well. So all of those things, our experiences, what we've been told, how we've been programmed, what we've inherited, and probably past life experience as well, they all contribute to what I call our money story and our weight story. And once you write out what your money story and your weight story is, you've made the best start possible on unpacking this Pandora's box of misery 
that become, these are the twin points of our life on earth. The two things that will go away the moment that we die are our weight problems and our money problems. They're only here for us here on earth, but they are here to help us navigate what our lives are supposed to be about. And the only way we can be free of money is by having it. It's the most interesting, interesting dynamic. It's absolutely fascinating. I always felt sort of an imprint in that aspect. I've heard many people's theories and they try to manifest things. And I've tried that approach, (laughs) but it was very unsuccessful for me. (laughs) And that's one of the things I do in crystal surgery is I know how to delete the imprints that are programming us and preventing us from moving on and changing our patterns and, and, and so on. All these techniques and procedures I'm talking about, I just wanted to say they're on my YouTube channel. You can you can go to YouTube, Crystal Surgery, just look up Crystal Surgery on YouTube, and you will find me demonstrating all these different procedures and techniques, and you can watch how I do it. It's, a, it's all there on video. Um, I've been quite careful to document everything. But yes, you are hitting the nail on the head. You are quite right. There is an imprint on you. And actually, I'm picking up, it could be a maternal grandmother that may have carried a similar dynamic and you may have inherited it. So uh, I don't know for sure because I'm not trying to tune in, but I can agree with you. When you said those words, it feels like there's an imprint on me. That's what started to come together on my mind screen. That makes perfect sense to me as well, because my maternal grandmother did struggle in poverty and was raised in the Depression era. And so I think that passed down. Yes. And it is your job to resolve that for all family members. And it can be done. And it's not even hard. It just it's a decision and then doing a few steps. And so, yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. And see, you've got that double L at the end of your name with your O'Donnell. And that is the sign of the teacher, the double L in the name. And so it's part of things that you can teach. Vivian, you're very intuitive. (laughs) Very intuitive. (laughs) I'm I'm amazed by you. (laughs) Where can people find you if they'd like to get a hold of you or if if they're interested in study or any reading materials? If you could give that information out, that'd be great. Yes. Go to crystalhealingtechniques.com. Or look me up on the internet. I'm the one and only Vivian Chapra. But the best website is uh, crystalhealingtechniques.com. Otherwise, just Google my name, Vivian, V-I-V-I-E-N, Chapra, S-C-H-A-P-E-R-A. I am the one and only. Very easy to find me, but you have to spell my name almost correctly at minimum. That is an easy, easy way to find me. And uh We have a website, chaperone.com, and that will take people to whichever kind of book or website they want. Four Winds Academy, Guided Lessons for Students of the Alexander Technique, How to Lose Weight and Gain Money, Everyday Magic. They're all there on chaperone.com as well. Very easy to get to. That's very easy to find me. And and just email me through the contact form, and I'm very glad. I love people and I love meeting new people. I love interacting with them. And most of all, what floats my boat is when I feel I've managed to help somebody in some way. You are a wealth of knowledge and you're very down to earth, very easy to speak with. Thank you. (laughs) Brian Weiss was my role model for that. And I aspire that 
um, one day when I'm as famous as he is, I would like to be as natural and unspoiled as he was as that presenter. And uh, I've had wonderful teachers and, and I want to follow in their footsteps too. You've certainly piqued my interest. Before I let you go, because I know you're busy, I've heard your phone ringing. <laughs> um, would there be anything you'd like to impart on our listeners? It all starts with a decision. It all starts with a decision. You have to make that decision to go for what you want. And once you make that decision, you have now brought what you want under your choice and under your conscious direction. And that's where you begin. And after that, you chunk it down into manageable steps. And no matter how small the step is, a step forward is a step forward. Make the decision, get started little by little, step by step. That's how I did it. That's how I help my clients do it. That's how I help my students do it. Don't think huge. People want to manifest. They want to manifest a million dollars. No. Manifest 10, then manifest 20, then manifest 30. Start at the beginning and go step by step building what you want. But it begins with the decision to do it. And that's what I can say, especially this year, 2021. We all want a better year. We're deciding, let's have a better year in 2021. I couldn't agree more. And you have to just start. Simple as that. Start somewhere. <laughs> start with a decision the decision. And it can even be the decision to discover what you want. If you're not sure what you want, and many people don't know what they want, but then you make a decision. I intend. Intention is the key. Intention leads energy. Energy follows intention. And so if you intend to discover what you want, that is the first step to form that intention. Beautifully stated. Now, listeners, if you want any of this information that Vivian has so kindly given us, uh, it can be listed into the details description of this episode. And I'd just like to thank you again, Vivian. It was so wonderful speaking with you. I felt like I could talk your ear off forever. <laughs> oh, I would love to talk to you forever. <laughs> You're fun too. <laughs> thank you. We'd love to have you back sometime and see how things are progressing. Maybe once the world starts shifting a bit more. <laughs> I would love that too. Uh, lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. In the I'm ghost. Thank you. Missed it. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. Magic, magic.